It is exactly five weeks to the day until Carolina women's basketball team's first game of the season. So you better believe it is time for us to have a Women's Star Heels season preview with Coach Pat Kilby. Let's get right after it. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Wednesday, October 5th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shaden. Joining me as he does every Wednesday is the man, Coach Pat Kilby. We want to thank you for making our show your first listen or your first watch every single day. Please don't forget that the show is free and available anywhere you get podcasts. So if you subscribe right now and smash the like button, ring that bell, you can make sure that you don't miss a single second of your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Oh, Pack, this is going to be a fun one. Talking about the women's team, I have very high hopes for these ladies and what they're going to do in the fourth year under coach Courtney Banghart. Really excited to talk about them with you on today's show. Yeah, absolutely. Man, talk about a program that's just trending in the right direction. Coach Banghart's got them rocking and rolling, so it should be a fun year. Yes, absolutely. And just like the men's team, we're going to get to see the women's team in action this Friday night, live action with Carolina basketball. Remember, it was delayed from last Friday just because of the potential for the very bad weather in Chapel Hill. And so if uh, you weren't already aware of that, make some plans. It's a free event open to the public on Friday evening. Come be part of that. Um, as I already said, their first regular season game is five weeks from today, Wednesday, November 9th, against Jackson State, 7 p.m. on ACC Network Extra. So mark your calendars for that, or just make it easy. Subscribe to the women's basketball calendar, and they drop it all in there for you. That's what I do for all the Carolina athletics. It's super helpful. As a reminder, last year, the Lady Tar Heels were 25-7 and seven overall. They were 13-5 and five in the ACC, which tied them for third. Again, great movement each year under Coach Courtney Banghart. Love to see that. And so, Pac, kind of where I want to start is, man, these ladies are coming back in force. Carolina, you know, had this great run last year at the end of the season, knocked off Arizona at Arizona in the second round of the NCAA tournament and, uh, you know, fell, unfortunately, to ultimate national champion South Carolina in the Sweet 16. But goodness gracious, they get back four of their starters from last year and uh, <laughs> like just a whole bunch of great talent coming in. Really excited to see. So, um, let's go ahead and start there, Pack. Would you lay out what you and I believe is going to be Carolina's projected starters? Yeah, so like you mentioned, they, uh, they're they returning four starters, just like our men's team. So a lot of depth, a lot of experience. And, and Isaac, if I'm not mistaken, I think they played South Carolina closer than anybody did in the tournament last season. And, um, man. So there's just a lot to be excited about, right? Um, yes. So projected starters – uh, Deja Kelly, who is arguably, you know, the most well-known uh, Tar Heel on the women's team, uh, just a flat-out stud, honestly. She's really, really good. 
Um, also returning is Alyssa Utsby, Kennedy Todd Williams, and then Anya Poole. Likely the fifth starter, just if you go based off of production and experience from last year, is Eva Hodgson, who was like your sixth man last year, moving into that starting role. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, honestly, she, even though was kind of the sixth player on the team, it was fourth in scoring and uh, second in three-point shooting, had over averaged over 25 minutes a game herself. And so really, you're getting somebody who it's not just some uh, really distant and different from your starting five. I mean, she very easily could have been part of that starting rotation. Um, if anything had happened to one of the starters or injury. And so um, similar to the guys, like you said, you're getting four starters back, everyone but Carly Littlefield. And we're going to have to talk about that because that's a big hole to replace, both in terms of um, on-court production and leadership. But unlike the guys, here's what I love. The guys team for that fifth starter obviously has brought in Pete Nance from Northwestern, a transfer. You got to, like, he's going to be phenomenally such a mature player, but you got to get them acclimated to Carolina and what Carolina is. That's the difference here. You aren't, if you're Courtney Banghart, you're not bringing in a transfer to take over this empty slot left behind by Carly Littlefield. You just move Eva Hodgson into your starting lineup and your 25 minutes a game player last year already is now just part of that starting rotation. Shouldn't miss a beat in terms of just keep it on rolling with all that momentum that the ladies had last year. Now, Pat, go ahead. Go ahead. You're about to say something. Yeah, I was just going to say it's a really nice advantage to have that, um, like, plug and play pretty much, right? So yes. you kind of touched on it, but she knows the system. She knows what's expected. She gels with her teammates already. There's no question marks. You literally plug her in and play. Uh, she's she's going to fit just, just fine with that starting four. Love to see that. Now, we've been talking about the starters. Pac, let's, let's discuss some of the key reserves. I know there's some some great incoming freshmen and some who would have been impact freshmen last year, but unfortunately didn't get to play. Let's unpack the who we believe will be on the bench. Yeah, so Paulina Paris um, is probably the, you know, she's the one that stands out the most to me and maybe because um she's she's a brand new she's she's brand new to the program she's a freshman this year um a stud recruit she was in the jordan all-american game for uh top high school basketball recruits so um, high expectations for her i expect her to be really good i've heard nothing but really good things about her um, so that's a stud guard that we got um, and then you know you look at uh, tayani key and um, kayla mcpherson those were two recruits that came in last year, both of them battled injuries. Uh, because of that, they ended up redshirting, and now they're both available to us this season. That's two more really highly rated recruits that the women's basketball program is going to have available to them. Um, and I think that those three, Isaac, I think those three are going to make a pretty big difference. Those three pretty good players. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, you think about – Tiani Key, who talked about if, um, man, like it was like this time last year, October preseason stuff when she suffered that ACL and you hate that for, but she's somebody I'm really curious to see what she brings this year. Another is, <clears throat> excuse me, Malu Chitenge um, coming in. Uh, for those of you that listen to the Carolina Insider podcast, she did an interview on there this week and uh, like somebody that should be really interesting, curious to see 
what she, but yeah, I'm really interested to see you have all of this. Uh, again, it's another similarity to the guys team, but you've got all this returning experienced talent and you got a, a big infusion of young talent and, and what can that youth bring? What can it do? How quickly do they acclimate to the program and, and what coach Banghart and the rest of the staff is expecting out of them? Obviously with the ladies who are coming off the of injury, they already know because they've been in and around, but for somebody like Paris, uh, Paulina Paris, how quickly does she come in and how much of an impact can she make? I really curious to see what that is going to play out like for the, the Tar Heels. Now, uh, we're going to get into next. What are some of the keys we see to this team? What are more of those similarities between the men's and women's team? And we're going to do that in just a second, right after I tell you about our brand new sponsor, Nissan. Our, our partners at Nissan have worked with us to a new segment across the locked on college network titled Thrilling Moments, where we highlight the most exciting play this past weekend's victory, in this case over Virginia Tech, that 41 to 10 drubbing Pat Kilby. <laughs> So for me, this week's thrilling moment from Carolina is the, the Tar Heels closing drive right at the end of the first half before halftime. Virginia Tech had scored their first, and we found out through the course of the game, only touchdown of the game, leaving just 28 seconds left before halftime. Coach Mac Brown could have packed it in and said, hey, let's go to the locker room. We got a 21-10 lead. We're good. But he said, you know what? I trust Drake May. I trust this offense. We got a timeout in 28 seconds. Let's see what can happen. Three plays later, Carolina's in field goal range, kicking a 44-yard field goal for Noah Ruggles. Carolina now takes a 24-10 uh, lead into the locker room, has the momentum back in their favor, and then just runs the table in the second half. You love to see that. So you had an 18-yard pass to Bryson Nesbitt, a 14-yard scramble from Drake May, and a 16-yard completion to Antoine Green. That field goal grabs the momentum back, and the Tar Heels are off and running. So that is my thrilling moment, our first-ever thrilling moment for our Nissan uh, ad read, and I love that. So this segment has been inspired by thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. Oh, man, Pac, that football game was something else on Saturday. Exactly what the doctor ordered in the first conference game of the year. Love to see the defense making some strides, and I can't wait to see what happens down in Miami this weekend. We need that defense to make some more strides because – That's right. Be a huge win to uh, get to just to get to two and zero in the coastal, man. That would be huge. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And so, uh, <laughs> last time in Miami, things went pretty well for the Tar Heels. We'll see what happened this time. So, Pack, what I want to talk about is in in Coach Courtney Banghart's fourth team. What do you see as really like the key to this team's success? Yeah, this team's got a lot of experience. So, I mean, first of all, just like we talked about with the men's team, uh, experience is key. So uh, just having that veteran leadership and uh, having been there in the trenches together as a team and knowing, hey, we're trying to get back to that. So they've got kind of that chip on their shoulder or that grudge, if you will. I think those things are key. Um, and then just something to watch out for or uh, monitor, keep your eye on is – 
we talked about Eva Hodgson, right? She was that mm. sixth man. She was coming off the bench uh, and providing a huge spark for the team, essentially. Um, now it looks like that role is going to change. So the question is, um, can any mm. one person fill that role or can they fill that in the aggregate? Uh, that'll be the question mark. And I, in my opinion, it will be a crucial key to whether or not they can be as good as we think they're going to be or have the potential to be. Yeah, a Tiani key, maybe. Eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that cheesy dad joke coming out of me. I apologize, everyone. I'm a dad, and it comes out in every way, shape, or form. Pat gets it. He's a dad, too, <laughs> and uh, we love our little ones so much, so dearly. Um, and and I'm, I'm right with you. And in that same vein of what you said about Eva Hodgson, I'm really curious. I think a key for this team's success is how do they replace Carly Littlefield's leadership? Right. She's somebody that had been with Coach Banghart for a long time and knows what Coach brought to the table. In fact, they they hoped they would be able to bring her back. It you know wasn't able to happen. Um, and so who takes on that mantle? Is it Deja Kelly? Is it more like that that experience Alyssa Utsby had this summer representing the nation, right? Did, were some of the lessons she learned? Is she really the one that takes that leadership mantle on? This year, I really wouldn't be surprised if it's her, but um, I'm also, I think another key is what kind of star leap does Kennedy Todd Williams take? I think we so often, as you said, talk about Deja Kelly as like the most known entity on the team. And I think that's a very fair thing. Just like, you know, the guys with Armando, right? He's just that big dynamic personality. He's the one with so many NIL things. And the same is true for Deja, right? We see that all the time. But, but but who is really the one that just t- gets this team gathered and the one that is the one huddling the team and doing all those things? I really um, think Alyssa Utsby steps into that role, but I'm really curious to see if Kennedy Todd Williams can put on that cape this year and just make a huge uh, heroic Superman type leap. Yeah, I think um, you, you nailed it on the head. There's specific people that are in place that could you know, that we see as more likely to step up and lead. Uh, but then also, uh, you know, you can look at it too, like kind of like we're looking at the men's team. It's, yeah, they lose Brady, who was a really good leader. Um, obviously, they replace him with Pete Nance. Uh, but they're going to fill a lot of that leadership through the aggregate. So, you know, everybody's improving a little bit here and there. And overall, that ends up leading to more than what one person could bring. And I see that kind of being the same here for the women's team. Yeah. Just Deja's going to grow a little bit and Kennedy's going to grow a little bit and Alyssa's going to grow a little bit. And then overall, that makes the team better just by individual growth. Yeah. And Pac, it, it kind of leads me to a question. We've been talking a lot about s- several similarities between the the trajectory of the women's team and the trajectory of the men's team, right? Pretty, pretty new head coaches for both um, both teams, um, both kind of on the come up after some down years, both bringing back a lot of experience this year, both bringing in um, very talented newcomers. What, what you know, you are somebody who coaches at the high school level, specifically now with a women's team having coached um, young men. What, what does it do when both programs are really not only on a similar trajectory, but on the come up and doing really well? How, how can they push and sharpen each other? Sure. Well, you know, I always say 
success breeds success. So once you've had a taste of it, you want more of it, right? Because it's fun. It's enjoyable. It's, it's what you're striving for. And so um, when both, well, even when just one of your programs is successful, that really kind of pushes the other one. Hey, we want to be to that level too. Um, and then when both programs are headed that way, then what you start to see and what you start to get is a sense of pride and tradition. Hey, this is what we do, right? We come here, we succeed um, year in and year out. And it's like, it's almost like a, a, a mindset or an attitude, mm. mentality, if you will, like we show up and we do what it takes to win. We find ways to, to remain successful and that becomes the standard of your program. And so um, success, like I said, success breeds success. And it bleeds into other sports, right? Like, why is it important for Mac Brown to be successful in North Carolina? Because that makes the university that much better. Yeah. Uh, so, because we've always had that basketball success, let's get other programs involved and see them grow. And what that does for the university and the student body and just the programs themselves is just, it's huge because success breeds success. You love it. And and just the way they push each other. I, I love seeing the back and forth. I love seeing them at each other's games, supporting and, and the ways they all talk about each other. And man, it's just, it's really neat to see all that interplay. Well, Pac and I have several projections we want to make, looking at the schedule, looking at how far they're going to make wins and losses, all sorts of stuff like that. And we're going to do that in just a second, right after I tell you a little bit more about Bet Online, which is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. For example, Drake May has slowly but surely been climbing his way up the Heisman odds chart to where now he's one of the top 11 in terms of Bet Online's odds for Heisman hopefuls. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering info with live betting and up to the minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, What Up Braves, Eastern NL East Division Champs, MMA, Boxing, and Golf. Head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. Okay, Pac, so we've been talking about this trajectory for Coach Banghart and the women's team, and man, this is her fourth year that's about to start, and they have been successively growing each season. Let's, let me just take you quickly through the numbers. 2019-20, they were 16-14 and 14 overall, 7-11 and 11 in the ACC, lost to Wake in their first ACC tournament game. Obviously, no NCAA tournament this year, that year. Thank you, COVID. 2020-21. 13 and 11, didn't play as many games again because of COVID, but eight and nine in the conference got a little bit better, lost to Wake again in their first ACC tournament game, lost to Bama in their first NCAA tournament game. And then last year, man, kind of some exponential growth up to 25 and seven overall, 13 and five in the ACC. As we said, that was good to tie for third. They lost to Virginia Tech in the ACC quarterfinal. And then, as we've already talked about, lost to the eventual national champion South Carolina Gamecocks in the Sweet 16. So, Pac, my question for you is this. In year four, do Courtney Banghart and the women's Tar Heels take another step forward? 
or is there a year of regression? No, I think that I, I think they definitely take another step forward. Um, and then I, you know, as my um, proof for that, you know, I, I'm going to just continue to rely on experience. That's the one yep. thing to me that seems to be consistent in college basketball experience wins. And this team has it. They have good coaching. I think Coach Banghart is yes. really, really good at her job. Yes. And, and a great leader, by the way. Yes, very good. And, man, this sounds like a really good time to plug Bubba Cunningham. Carolina, we have it really good. That dude nails his head coaching hires. I'm just going to throw that out there. He nails it. Uh, and he nailed it with Coach Banghart. She's awesome. And, like I said, the experience, I think they take a step forward. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'll agree with you. I'll say yes. And then I want to add a word onto your experience is experienced talent, because not only do you have to be experienced to win, but you got to you got to be able to play the game. And these women, both the returners and the incoming players, boy, not only is there experience, but there is experienced talent to go along with this new talent coming in. And boy, I just feel really good about them taking another step forward. And I'll talk more about it. I think it's not going to be the big step forward. It's not going to be the big leap yet, but I think it is another step in the progression before a big one in 2023-24. So, um, Pac, I have another like coaching question for you. I asked about the, the push, the momentum when you've got both teams going well. When we look at this and growing year after year after year, you know, you you look at some of these highly capable, like how does Anson Dorrance in the height of when the, the women's soccer team was just drubbing other teams year after year, how do you keep that momentum? How did John Wooden go about keeping UCLA at the top even after they had reached the pinnacle? How do you keep that going as a coach? Sure. Um, first of all, you know, I think, um, it's important to understand complacency is the enemy of all good good programs and good teams. It's you you've got to not ever get complacent. Um, number two, I think that every season is a new season, and so mm. um, you coach your team differently. And what I mean by that is um, whatever you said and whatever you motivated with in the previous season is not necessarily going to push the buttons for the team the following season, even if it is largely the same team. Um, it, a perfect example of that would be last year's North Carolina men's basketball team versus this year's. We all know and can see Coach Davis is going to approach this season differently. Last year it was, uh, I don't know if Carolina's tough enough, you know, and, and Coach Davis was kind of, he was their hype man. He was constantly saying, Hey, Armando is really good. I'm just telling you. And Brady's one of the best shooters. And Caleb and RJ is one of the best backcourts. We didn't believe it because we hadn't seen it yet. But he was their hype man. He was the biggest um, believer that they had. This year, it's going to be a lot more critical, right? Like block the noise and all that stuff. So yes. you've got to really um, push the right buttons each year as a coaching staff. And then you've got to nail it on the recruiting trail. Like, like you mentioned earlier, it's not just experience, it's experience, talent. Well, you've got to go get talent because ultimately the players on the floor decide the outcome of the game. And so um, when you have talent and then you're pushing the right buttons as a coach and you're refusing to be complacent, that's usually just the basics, but that's usually a long-term formula for success. Love that. Thank you, Pac, for helping unpack that just from, from the coach's chair, right? Like help helping people and fans out there understand, like, how do you just keep this thing going and growing year after year after year? 
Now, we want to get into looking at the schedule and the actual games. Pac and I have both predicted what we think will be the five toughest games as we look at Carolina's schedule for this season. Pac, why don't you start with yours? And then if I have any that are different from you, I will unpack those. Give me your five most difficult games on this schedule. Yeah, so first of all, I think at NC State is going to be the toughest. Obviously, we know that rivalry, especially on the women's <laughs> basketball side. It's been a little yes. fiery lately, uh, which we love. Um, and I think that this will be the year that Coach Banghart just takes care of business. Um, at Indiana, I think is going to be tough. Indiana women's basketball program is a projected top 25 team. That's right. That's right. Uh, so we go there for that ACC Big Ten challenge. That's going to be another comparison to the men's team. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, if you want another comparison, they're also playing in the Fortnite, uh, Phil Knight Invitational. And so uh, they have Oregon in the first round. I think that's going to be tough. And I'll just spoiler alert. That's my only non-conference loss that I have projected for the women's team is um, it's a neutral site game, but it's important. <laughs> but it's important, right? <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. So it's basically a home game for Oregon. I think that's going to be really tough. And they also are a top 25 uh, right. projected team. Uh, and then lastly, I had uh, Michigan, the Michigan women's program in the Jumpman Classic. Michigan is not, from what I researched, they are not a top 25 women's program, but they have been successful the last few years. Right. Um, and it's a Jumpman Classic, and they play a brutal spurt of schedule kind of right before that. And so um, I think that could be a tricky spot for um, the Tar Heels women's program. But I do think that's you know they their non-conference is no joke, man. It's, no. it's going to be uh, they're going to be battle tested going into ACC play. So that's I right. Think they've got some tough tests ahead. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, I think you also had as your I know you said last, but I think that was four of them, and I think you also had their game at Louisville in conference play on there. Correct? Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, that is the last one I had was at Louisville. Um, Louisville is one of those teams, and you you know this as well as I do. They're always competitive. Uh, they're always really good, and they've had a really, really good run here the last few years yeah. of success in the NCAA tournament. So yeah. I think that also will be a tough game. Yes, absolutely, and a huge win over them last year for the Lady Tar Heels. Um, so for my five toughest games, I have uh, three of the same as you, Pack. The at NC State game, obviously that's going to be insanely difficult. At Louisville, both of those in ACC play. And I also had that ACC Big Ten game at Indiana top 25 team going to be a very difficult place to win just like the men will have a very tough test coming off of their Portland trip straight out to Bloomington for that the two that I have that are different from yours is uh Pac had the first round of the PKI uh playing Portland out in Portland which is obviously going to be tough um but I think they're going to get past Oregon that's my spoiler alert but then in the second round, they're going to play Iowa State, who will knock off Michigan State on the other side of the bracket. Iowa State is a top 10 team probably this year on the women's side, and I think that is going to be a really difficult game. Obviously, I think that Carolina can win it, but I'm going to say that that'll be a tough game. And then the other one is Carolina's um, second conference game is in Blacksburg at Virginia Tech on New Year's Day. Uh, that just just adds up to me to not seem uh, like a very uh, winnable game. It's a Virginia Tech's going to be a top ten, top fifteen type team this year, and so playing at their place on New Year's Day uh, just seems like a not great recipe to me for success. 
So uh, that is Pac and I's top five most difficult games on the schedule. That said, let's look at some win-loss projections. Um, Pac, take me through yours. Non-con, conference, and then um, what your overall thing is. As a reminder, the guys play 20 ACC games. The women play 18 conference games. I love how Carolina's schedule is set up. It's literally nine straight weeks of a Thursday game and a Sunday game, and there's your 18. Love the consistency of that schedule. It's great. Um, so, Pack, take me through just just quickly. We don't have to go game by game, but what do you think the Tar Heels will do in the non-conference and the conference, and what that means for their regular season total? Yeah. So, uh, non-conference, I have them going ten and one, um, which I mentioned earlier that one loss being um, to Oregon in the Phil Knight Invitational. Um, but I do think they'll have a lot of success, um, and pretty much the non-conference to me is where you secure kind of your high seed in the NCAA tournament, as long as you don't totally fumble your conference play. Uh, so I think they're going to build a lot of hype around themselves in their non-con just by playing well. Uh, and then I have them going 15 and three in conference, which I have projected as being good enough to win the conference. Yes. Uh, love it. That leads to an overall 25 and four, which is uh, once again, a better record than what she, uh, what the team has had in the previous season. So, which is what I projected. I projected them to do better. I've got them going 25 and four overall and uh, having a really nice season. And I'm just going to, I don't know if this is a spoiler, but I'm just going to say. Do it. Uh, Go ahead. A lot of success in the postseason. I think Coach Banghart gets the women's team to the final four. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> this is the year. Pack is making the, the jump this year. That would be great, man. If these ladies can put it together, uh, four starters, uh, four returning starters, love that. Love to see what that could be. As for me, I'm one game worse on on each uh, part of the schedule. So I'm going nine and two in the non-con. Uh, I think they will lose that game um, to Iowa State who again should be a top 10 team. I think they're going to take care of Oregon. Uh, a great test for the women out there in Oregon. Um, and then I'm going to have them losing that game at Indiana as well. As for the conference schedule, I have them one game worse than Pack, but one game better than they did last year, finishing at 14 and four. I'm going to have them dropping that game at Virginia Tech at Louisville and at NC State, and then just getting clipped one other time as tends to happen in conference play. So overall, I'm two games uh, less off of PAC's pace. They're gonna, I'm gonna have the ladies at 23 and six heading into the ACC tournament. Um, but uh, similar to last year, be top two or three in the ACC and have a great run there. So as PAC said, he has them as ACC regular season champs, losing at some point in the ACC tournament, and then all the way to the final four. I love that leap, would be incredible to see. I'm not going to make that projection this year. Um, last conference championship for the ladies was in 2008. I'm going to stop just short of that and say second in the conference in the regular season, losing the ACC finals, and then make a, a, a leap past the Sweet 16 run last year, finish in the Elite Eight just short of PAC's projection. But I'm going to go ahead and look again ahead to next year. Of the starting five, the four returners are all juniors. I love that. Um, and so I'm going to project they will all be back next season. And that is when the monstrous leap happens is in that fifth year of Courtney Banghart's tenure. You got all these senior ladies coming in and boy, howdy, uh, it's going to be a run. So this year is going to be another really, really strong year. Another step in the right direction before the blow up next season. 
Oh man, Pack, that's great getting to talk about these ladies. I'm really excited to see how they just come out of the gate gunning. Really excited to see them on Friday night and see how, especially um, the, the young ladies look who are just coming in for the first time. Those coming off the injury should be a lot of fun. Yes. And, you know, since you mentioned it, if you're projecting the 2024 women's team to be pretty good, you know, I have a couple of projections for the 2024 men's team that we've talked about before. So, could both teams bring home a natty? <laughs> uh, who, uh, here's a great trivia question for those of you watching and listening. Who was the last program whose men's and women's team won the national championship in the same season? You got any guesses, Pac? I do. I don't know if you want me to spoil it or not, but I have All a right. pretty good guess. I'm going to give a five-second countdown. Five, four. You got to pause it if you're watching or listening and you want to guess. Two, one, go, Pac. What do you think? I think it's UConn. It is UConn. I can't remember the year off the top of my head, but, uh, uh, you know, the men had those four championships most recently, I believe 2014 and, uh, boy, uh, yeah, that, in fact, that might've been it the last time that that happened. Somebody, uh, fact check us on that one and leave the comments in, uh, leave a comment down there in the comments. But that wraps up today's show. Thank you so much for diving into Locked on Tar Heels with us. Want to remind you, we're having a weekly drawing every week in October as we're in our drive for five to get to 5,000 YouTube subscribers by the tip of the men's first basketball game. All you have to do is subscribe to the show and you could be in line to win a free $10 Starbucks gift card. We will do a drawing this Saturday. Really appreciate uh, Pac being on. As always, you can follow him on Twitter at Coach underscore K23. You can follow the show at Locked on Heels, and you can follow me at Isaac Shade. Get more on the ACC by making Locked on ACC your second listen. Host Candace Cooper and the local experts of Locked on take you around the conference in 30 minutes, five days a week. Folks, for those of you watching, please don't forget, subscribe, smash the like button, leave a comment, and hit that bell so you get notified anytime a new show drops. We both really appreciate you hanging out with us on a Wednesday talking about the women's basketball team, and we want to remind you that it is always a great day to be at Tar Hill. Right, Pat Kilby? That's right. <laughs> so from us to you, until tomorrow, peace! <laughs>